listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Uh, If you have your Bible, I do want you to open it. We covered three. I knew I wasn't going to be able to do all these in one day. Uh, It's just way too much content, but I did want it to get into your spirit and uh, for you to have an understanding of what the Lord was truly showing me. Uh, I talked about this yesterday quickly. I'll, I'll, I'll mention it again today because it's important that you understand this, that your culture or the culture that defines any system is very, very important because, and this is the main area that you got to understand a cult, the culture of any environment, uh, is extremely important because what it does is it defines the actions you're going to take in any given situation. It defines the actions that you're going to take in any given situation. What do I mean by that? Well, think about natural cultures like nationality, uh, regional cultures. There's things that certain people groups do that other people groups do not do. Uh, Yesterday, we used the example of like a quinceanera versus like a sweet 16. You know, the Latin American culture uh, has that celebration for their young ladies at the age of 15. Normally in American culture, you know, we have something that's traditional, like a sweet 16. And so it's different, all of the different things that we see in cultures. What does it do? Love you, Masao. It it defines how we act or the actions we take in any given situation. So then you understand that <clears throat> families have their own culture right? Every family has their own culture. For example, you might have families who, you know, Friday night is like their family movie night where, you know, that's what they do. They, everybody in the family gets together. They get in the living room, they put on a movie, whatever. That's their culture. That Tuesday nights is taco night. You know, it's taco Tuesday, whatever. And you build this culture. Well, what do you do at Christmas time? Well, at Christmas we do this, you know, mom always makes this. We always go to this place. And then this culture is created. What is it, what ends up happening? It, it usually gets passed on from generation to generation to generation because what ends up taking place is the kids grow up in it. They learn it. It becomes a part of their life. And so it becomes normal or standard operating procedure, right? That's what culture does. Culture defines the actions that you take in any given situation. That's why it's so important. Because you can create or design your own culture by uh, the word of God, by discipline. And, you know, we're creating things with our children. We want, we want things to be embedded in the lives of our kids that will carry on. You know, if Jesus tarries, will carry on throughout the rest of their lives and their children's lives. There are things that have been created by my father, mother, and their father, mother, just passes on down. Culture is important. Uh, so much so that corporations are realizing we've got to have a specific corporate culture. Well, why? Because obviously they want their workers to have a certain mindset. And so yesterday we kind of mentioned like Chick-fil-A talked about that Chick-fil-A culture that, you know, very well, if you've ever been to one and it's one of the things that's making them stand out, uh, 
from every other fast food place. And now, even though they're closed on Sunday and only operate six days a week, and I've never seen one 24-hour Chick-fil-A, I mean, it would be an answer to my prayers if there was one, but I've never seen one 24-hour Chick-fil-A, they are outselling other fast food chains that have been around longer operating six days a week with no 24-hour stores. It's an, it's a marvel, literally. And um, so one of the things we have to understand is what's causing that? Well, obviously God's blessing them, but there's a culture intact at Chick-fil-A that is putting excellence through the roof there. I've never had one bad meal there. I've never had one bad experience with an employee. I've never had, I've never experienced, never gone there and experienced, you know, this huge lack of, of quality or lack of excellence. Never, never. And so that's based on their culture. I've known people that have owned Chick-fil-A franchises and, uh, or run a location. And they've told me about how vigorous, uh, the, the, uh, training is, you know, the, the induction period where they're, they're really imprinting their culture onto you. All these things are so vitally important because they define how you will act in any given situation. And so it's not something that you can gloss over. It's very, very important. And so there's a culture of the kingdom that's what you got to realize. And I'd love you to put that in the comments today. There is a culture of the kingdom. Put that in the, in the comments. There is a culture of the kingdom. And I'm going to deal with that. And the Lord gave me these nine things that definitely define victory tribe culture. Thank you. There is a culture of the kingdom. Put it in the comments and understand it. So vital. So vital. There is a culture to the kingdom or of the kingdom. And once you realize that, that there is something that truly defines who we are, what we are, and what we do, then you begin to realize why we're so, you know, the kingdom is so successful, why we're overcomers, why we're more than conquerors uh, through Christ Jesus. And so I began yesterday because I was praying on Sunday morning and the Lord started giving me uh, all of these different things. And I'm starting to write them down as fast as I can. He's giving me thoughts within each one. And I'm writing them down as fast as I can. And, um, as I started writing them down, and finally, by the time I was done, he'd given me nine different things and uh, showed me about it, talked to me about implementing it. And so we are, and I'm sure at some point I'll put this into book form to uh, be a blessing to other churches and whatever we can do. But for sure, anybody that stands with us, anybody that's in the Victory Tribe, that's why I'm teaching on it. Uh, this is what we're called to walk in that defines victory. This is what brings about victory in our lives. And so yesterday... Uh, we covered the first three, and if you missed it, you can go back and watch the whole broadcast, but we dealt with, I'm not, I'm calling it the H9 system because all of these, all nine begin with the letter H, it helps you to remember it, but number one, the thing that defines our culture is that we're happy people, we're joyful people, and I wrote down, joy will define our culture. It's the fuel for purpose, it keeps us strong and productive and ensures that we'll that uh, we'll never creep into bitterness, never. 
Why? Because we remain happy and full of joy at all times. Number two, humble. We are humble people. We are humble people. And pride will never be a part of our culture because God resists the proud and gives more grace or favor to the humble. And so we made up our minds. We're going to be humble people. No question. If God's resisting proud people and he's blessing the humble, we're going to be humble. And it, and it ensures we never are destroyed, ensures we never fall because we're humble people. Uh, number three, yesterday we dealt with it, that we are people who hustle. That's the third part. And I don't mean that we're scamming people out of stuff. Like I'm not talking about the, the street translation of this. I'm talking about more more along the lines of the, the definition we hear in sports. Hustle, good hustle. You know, you, they say that to you all the time. We're diligent and faithful. We're self-motivated and resourceful. That's what I'm talking about. When I said that we hustle yesterday, that's what I mean. We're diligent and we're faithful. We're self-motivated and we are resourceful. Very, very important that you get that because I've seen too many lazy people in the kingdom of God. Too many people that are just coasting through life. People that are literally just, uh, uh, they've put life on cruise control and now they're just, you know, not making any impact because they're lazy is truly what they are. And we, God hates laziness. We kind of finished yesterday by talking about the fact that God equates laziness with wickedness. God equates laziness with wickedness. And that's why we're people that will be diligent at all times. Today, I'm going to give you the, oh, let me say this because I got a message. Uh, Bethany sent a great message in. And she said, you know, I hope maybe this will be something that will help other people. And I'm sure it will. Because when I was talking about the hustle point or the hustle topic, uh, she sent a great message and said, "Um, you know, laziness is not the thing that ever kept me from hustling. Because we dealt with laziness yesterday. It ensures we'll never be lazy. She said, laziness is not the thing that ever kept me from hustling. But I know that fear or feelings of inadequacy did. I thought that's a great point because there's other people that deal with that. She said it was fear and feelings of inadequacy that kept me from performing. And the Lord's still teaching me how to be bold. And then she's giving him thanks and praise for all that he's doing in her life. And so that's true. There are some people that never move forward and they never accomplish, they never hustle because they feel inadequate. They feel like, oh, I'm going to fail. They feel that fear. And so they just don't do. And we have to get past that. For God's not given us a spirit of fear, but power and love and a sound mind. And so we we hustle in the kingdom of God. Today, I'm going to give you four, five, and six, and then tomorrow, seven, eight, and nine. But we're going to cover three more today of the H9 system that defines victory in our lives. What makes us the victory tribe? What makes us people that see constant increase and constant victory? It's these nine things, no question. And so we dealt with the first three. Now let's hit the second three. Number four on the list is honor. Put it in the comments. Honor is a major part of our culture as the victory tribe. Honor. And then I wrote this down, obviously. We prefer others above ourselves at all times. We prefer others above ourselves at all times. We honor others. 
Not only do we honor those in authority, which we do, but we honor our brothers and sisters in Christ. We even honor those that are not yet saved. We treat them kindly. We walk in love toward them. We honor them. It's that love that shows that God lives in us. The Bible says in 1 John, you can't say you love God and hate your brother. Because if you do, then you're a liar and the love of God is not in you, the Bible says. You have to love people. You honor others above yourselves. Let me show you that in, um, let me start with the book of Philippians chapter 2. If you have your Bible, you can turn there and highlight this. Philippians chapter 2, Norman coming in hot with the Canadian spelling of honor. The European spelling. I feel like our whole broadcast just went to another level of sophistication when I saw that you thrown into honor. Honor. Um, <laughs> Philippians chapter 2. No, Norman's in New Brunswick, uh, Canada, and we're still praying that God will deliver him. Um, in Philippians chapter 2. <laughs> how you doing up there, Norman? We've got you locked down. Hopefully things are opening up that you're not going to have to get yourself a vaccine passport in Jesus' name. Um, Philippians chapter 2, I'm going to look at verse 3. Listen to what the Bible says. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, goes back to number 2 for us, humble. In humility, look at this, count others more significant than yourselves. That's a huge word right there. That's a huge word for somebody. In humility, count others as more significant than yourselves. Don't do anything from selfish ambition or because you're conceited, but in humility. And I told you yesterday that a lot of these uh Elements that we're talking about in the H9 system, many of them are going to work together. Many of them are going to work in tandem, and that's how it should be. There's a synergy between these nine things because they all combine together uh, to bring us victory. Um, amen. Norman said, we will not take any vaccines. Totally trust Psalm 91. I'm with you. So look at this. Here's a word for everybody. Count others more significant than yourselves. Look at verse four. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Hmm. Powerful. Honor. We honor others. We honor others. One of the biggest turnoffs you can ever encounter is dishonor. And I'll tell you, dishonor puts you in a place where you're cut off from the blessings of God. Just because of dishonor. As Victory Tribe people, we honor other people. Hey, Cass, good to see you. Go to Romans chapter 12. Let me show you another one that'll stir your spirit up. Romans chapter 12. Remember this now. Everything you release from your life is a seed. This is huge. Everything you release from your life is a seed. So if you're releasing dishonor as a seed, guess what's going to come back to you? Dishonor. Total dishonor. But when you release honor to others, that's a seed that's going out. It's going to produce a harvest of honor in your own life. Amen. Romans chapter 12. 
And I wanted you to look with me at verse, uh, let's look at verses 9 and 10. Romans 12, verses 9 and 10. Look at this. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. That means hate it. Hold fast to what is good. Verse 10, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. You see that? Outdo one another in showing honor. These are commands. I want you to hear what I'm saying. These are commands that the apostle Paul, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is giving to the churches that are being formed. Notice what he's commanded. He commanded the Philippians. He commanded the Romans. What's he commanded them? Honor one another. Honor one another. And I love what he says here. Outdo one another in honor. That means I'm gonna I'm gonna over I'm gonna out honor you. <laughs> You're not gonna honor me more than I honor you. You know it's wild. It blows my mind that even uh, people in the world understand this principle, whereas people in the kingdom still don't. And I was I was looking at this. There's a guy, uh, and I, obviously, you know, he's not saved, so he talks like he's not saved. His name's Gary Vaynerchuk. He's a uh, Gary Vee is kind of a social media marketer and uh, entrepreneur. And uh, if you look him up, just, just I'm sure, be ready to experience a few F-bombs. But he's just one of these, these guys in New York that just gets the job done, does his work, and he's always talking about marketing stuff. But he had a quote one time, really blew my mind. He had a quote that he, it's, it's kind of like a mantra that he lives by. And I thought, man, it's amazing to me that he understands this as a sinner, but there's Christians that don't understand it. And he created something that he calls the 5149 principle, 5149 principle. And what that is, he said, um, when you're in a relationship with somebody, make it your goal to always provide 51% of the value in the relationship. Always be giving more than you're taking from somebody. Well, that shows honor. That You know what we do all through the body of Christ? We're trying to serve one another. We're servants of God. We're serving one another, the Bible teaches. It's funny to me that his company, he himself, understands that principle. That's what they're trying to do. They're literally trying to outserve the other person. Outserve, outgive the other person. What does the Bible say? Outdo one another in showing honor. And so literally, what a, and it blows my mind. Listen to this guy. You know what is you know what he's pushing? You know what this sinner uh, with a foul mouth is pushing in, in his business? Let me tell you what he's what he's pushing. That blows my mind because there's Christians that don't have these elements at work in their own life. He's pushing positivity, optimism, right? Optimism, happiness or joy, serving and honor. You ever think about that, Zach? It's like mind-blowing. Optimism, he's always pushing that. Positivity, right? Serving and honor and and happiness, joy. Do what makes you happy. And he, and he, he talks about that fact. He's like, you know, I'm not trying to kill myself working because he's always pushing hustle, hustle, hustle. But he said, I'm not trying. It's not because I'm trying to kill myself working. He said, the reason I'm pushing that for me is because the thing that makes me happy is doing my job, what I love to do. That's why I started the company. 
And so he's saying, like, do the thing you love, what makes you happy. Be optimistic about life. Be positive with other people. Be kind. You know, he's pushing. You know what he, what does he say, Zach? The thing that he's always talking about where he believes that the number one uh, quality that brings success with people is he's talking about, uh, like, kindness. He talks about, like, compassion. Kindness and compassion. He's like, literally, uh, the thing that he believes that really blows blows up your networking. Your, I mean, this is a sinner, by the way. I'm talking, we're talking about a sinner here who's teaching people, you ought to be kind to others. Be kind, be optimistic, be positive, serve them, provide more value to them than they provide to you. I'm sitting here thinking like, if this dude would just get saved, he'd blow up the Christian world. And I don't understand there's like Christians that don't get this stuff. And it's part of what the, the early church understood as a command from the apostles. Outdo one another. Outdo one another in showing honor. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Outdo one another in showing honor. And so that's the key. And the, what's the benefit here? The benefit is that we are sowing seeds of honor that are going to reap harvests of honor in our own lives. Well, what is it? Now, what does this do? Here's a question we ask ourselves. What does this, and of course, you know um, that uh, I told you under all of these points, I wrote, what's the benefit? What does it ensure we never do? How do you identify if it's missing in your life? And what can you do to rectify that? Four things that we need to talk about. So let's hit those. Number one, what's the benefit? Well, the benefit of sowing honor is that you're sowing seeds that are going to come back to you uh, in abundance. But notice this, the other benefit of it is that when you honor other people, it builds them up. It builds them up. When you show honor to other people, that is edifying to the one you're showing honor to. And um, beyond that, you begin to realize it creates that uh, environment of love, walking in love. That's huge because faith doesn't work without love. So you're creating an environment truly where faith can operate. Faith works by love, Galatians 5, 6. So you start to realize when you honor other people, you are, this is mind-blowing because it's not just talking about honoring those that have honored you. It doesn't say anything about that. It's saying outdo one another. That means that when someone else failed in honor, you're going to outdo them. So I'm not just picking and choosing the ones that have been nice to me. I'm going to honor those. I'm going to honor those. Creating a culture of love, walking in love, and so my faith's going to work. What's another benefit of this? I'm not going to ever get into the place where I hold grudges against people because no matter what they do, I'm going to honor them. I'm going to honor them. Powerful. It's powerful. But what does it ensure we never do? Ensures we never get into that place where we're, according to scripture here, he said, don't act arrogantly or in conceit. I'm never going to become conceited. I'm never going to become arrogant. I'll never get to the place where I'm dishonorable, which shuts down my love walk. I start getting, um, uh, my, my, my attitude towards others starts to become uh, flippant, starts to become uh, brash, it starts to become hard. Uh, you know, all that, all the stuff the devil uses to drag you into holding grudges and drag you into unforgiveness, bitterness, all these things. If you start, just honor people. I knew a man of God. Now think about this. You talk about the power of the level of honor. He was starting out in the ministry. And um, 
as he was starting out in the ministry, I can say this now because he's an extremely successful and, and you know powerful man of God. But when he was starting out, do you know that there were people that were very, very uh, influential at the time and powerful? Everyone knew who they were and they were ministers too, older than him because he was young and getting started. And when he would go out, this guy that was powerful and influential in the body of Christ would call pastors ahead of time and say, you don't need to have him. He's got his ministry. Is And he'd run him down verbally. And there's pastors that would, it would get back to this preacher. Yeah, so-and-so called us and told us not to have you and that your ministry's no good. And I mean, like that, just ran him down. Now, when you're just starting out and you need everything you can get in the ministry, that's not only heartbreaking, that's frustrating. That would make you so angry that somebody would treat you that way. You know what he did? Do you know what he did every time it got back to him that that preacher had done that called ahead and bashed him to those pastors? He would send a fruit basket to that pastor every single time that he said, he got back to the so-and-so called us, told us not to have you, but boom, order another fruit basket. And he would just send fruit basket after fruit basket after fruit basket to this guy's house just to say, I'm never going to allow him doing that to me. Him acting in that way towards me and my ministry, especially in a time where he really needed every open door that he could get. And he said, I'm never going to allow myself to hold a grudge, to get bitter, to get resentful, to get angry. I'm just going to honor him. I'm just going to bless him. And can I tell you that now that that man that was young at the time has literally traveled the world, shaken nations and is still shaking the world by the power of God. His ministry continues. But can I tell you something? If he'd have gone into bitterness and resentment, if he'd have gone into a place where uh, literally he was holding things against others, I can tell you something. His ministry wouldn't be around today because that's the stuff that dries you up and spits you out. I mean, you're you're it, it destroys you. When you have grudges, when you have bitterness, when that, that stuff gets in you, resentment, and you're constantly meditating, that'll tear you up. That's why you have to go past it, go beyond it, and just honor. Outdo one another with honor. That's the command. Okay? Well, give me the final two then. So how do we locate? How do I, how do I identify if I don't have honor that way in my life, if I'm not showing honor? Well, there's a, there's a few different things you can see. Number one, um, what kind of harvests are coming back to you? Are you getting a harvest of dishonor in your own life? Because let me tell you, the, uh, the fruit is the clearest picture of what seed you planted. <laughs> if you got a tree that just has apples on it all the time, you can be like, well, I guarantee I sowed an orange seed. No, you didn't. Because the fruit is the proof of what you planted. <laughs> I need you to put that in the comments. The fruit is the proof of what I planted. The fruit is the proof of what I planted. That's exactly it. The fruit is the proof of what you planted. And so if you've got dishonor constantly coming back to you, it might be time to choose uh, to look inside and say, what about what have I been releasing? What have I been releasing? Because if that's my harvest, what have I been releasing? That's the first thing you need to identify. What have I been releasing? Well, what else? Do you find yourself constantly 
holding grudges against people? Have you found yourself becoming bitter towards others? Have you found yourself becoming bitter? Truthfully. Because that's a sign. That's a sign. Very hard to become bitter and resentful towards somebody that you're constantly honoring. Oh, yeah. And it's not just how you treat that person. It's how what you do in private. Do you talk about them behind their back or do you pray for them? Think about this now. We're talking about dis, dishonor. Honor is not just what you do in public. Honor is what you do in private. Honor is what you do in private. And so the question is, uh, what are you doing privately? Are you spreading rumors? Are you gossiping? Are you running a person down verbally? Or are you praying for them? Are you praying for them? And if you're not going to pray for them, just don't say anything at all. (laughs) In all honesty, these are signs. Private matters a lot. What did God say? God said, these people have honored me with their lips but their hearts are far from me. Well, how would he know that? Because in public, it looked like they were honoring God, but in private, it showed what was really in their hearts. He said, their hearts are far from me, far from me. See, and so you've got to identify that. Well, once you've identified that if you're missing honor, what can you do? How do you fix this? Well, it's like what we've been talking about. Begin to do things practically in your life to honor people. Well, who, who, where should you start? Well, you obviously, obviously need to honor your mother and father without question. You need to, if they're, especially if they're still alive, <laughs> you need to honor your spiritual leaders. You should honor your pastors. You should honor those that are your spiritual leaders. Bible teaches that they're worthy of double honor. That's a scripture, by the way. They're worthy of double honor. And it's talking about payment. It's not talking about just like, I love you, I love you. That's two times I doubled it. No, it's talking about payment. They're worthy of double blessing, double honor, double provision. I've told you this so many times. You should bless your pastor financially. You should bless your pastor I don't mean tithe at the church. I don't mean give offerings at the church. I mean there's things you should do for your pastor personally. We have it set up that every month, we don't even think about it. Every month, Carolyn and I bless our pastor financially. It's like we put it's like putting somebody we do it in such a way it's like you know, we don't even think twice about it. We have it budgeted in. Every month, we're sowing. Yes, we tithe. Yes, we give large offerings. Yes, we bless the poor. But beyond all of that, we also bless our man of God. Financially, every month, not once a year. We don't go get a $25 Applebee's gift card on Pastor's Appreciation Sunday. It's not a $5 Dunkin' Donut coupon. Hey, Pastor, here's $5 off at Dunkin' Donuts. No, we bless them every single month. And we make a point to do it to the point where we're giving thousands of dollars to our pastors personally every single year. And the key is you may not be able to to give thousands of dollars to your pastor personally, but you should do something. No matter what level 
that you're standing in, you should do something to honor your man of God and your woman of God that are there. They're ministering to you every week. They're praying for you. They're blessing you. And that's what Paul taught. If they're blessing you uh, with spiritual resources, you should minister back to them with natural resources. And that's why we do it. We do it to obey the word of God. Carolyn and I have, I mean, we don't just do that. We do it for my father and mother. We do it for those that are in our lives that are spiritual leaders because we believe in that. It's a, it's a form of honor. And so we, we ensure it. We ensure it. It's going to be in their hand. Amen. And that's going to increase as well. That's going to increase. You know, it's, it's like it blows my mind the way the way people think about it. It's like, well, I already do so much. I don't need to be. No, you, you need to find out where what the Bible says and then just be faithful to it. Do you know how much God would bless you for just blessing your man of God? I mean, just just that alone, you know, because think of the opposite principle. If God was upset and the Bible says, uh, touch not mine anointed one and do my prophets no harm. So if the negative aspect will get God involved, then you better believe the positive aspect will get God involved. You hear what I'm saying? If the negative aspect, don't touch my anointed ones, don't do my prophets any harm. If God sees people mistreating his men and women and it causes him to get involved and bring retribution, then you better believe that if you're doing it on the positive side, God's going to be pleased with you and his favor and his honor are going to be on your life. No question about it. No question about it. Nancy says, should you still honor your parents no matter what? Absolutely you should. It's a biblical command. Honor your father and mother that it may be well with you. And she may have a long life. You know, uh, I love that the Bible does not there give us a caveat. Honor your father and mother unless they're mean to you. Or honor your father and mother unless they're unsaved. No, just honor your father and mother. That's the scripture. That's what the Bible says. And so it doesn't mean you have to hang around them all the time. They might be reprobates. They might be people that are always giving you a hard time. and They might be people that are uh, causing friction in the relationship. But just because they are, doesn't mean you stop honoring them. You keep honoring your parents no matter what. It's a biblical command, and it's the first commandment with a promise. You'll have long life, and it'll be well with you when you honor your father and mother. And so that's how you can tell. Those are the benefits, and that's what to do if you get to a place where you find yourself not walking in honor. Change it today. Change it today. And I'm serious about that. If you've not done anything for your pastors, you need to do something and you need to do it quickly because God, and I can say this because I'm not your pastor and I'm not asking you to do it for me. I'm asking you to do it for them. And they're not going to get up and tell you to do it because it, it looks self-serving and it looks like it's a conflict of interest. No pastor is going to stand up in the pulpit and say, you need to bless me personally. They're not going to do that. I'm telling you to do it because it's the right thing to do. It's what the Bible teaches. They've ministered to you from spiritual things. You need to minister back to them natural financial things. And if people have a problem with that, it shows they've got a problem internally with God's system and God's men. It's their own problem. It's not a God problem and it's not a Bible problem. They have an internal problem with money. Most likely is the case. They have a love of money or they don't understand the biblical principle of sowing and reaping. 
And so it's important. Honor. Number five, this is a massive element that defines the victory tribe. The fifth one in the H9 system is we're helpful people. And I got to break this down. We're helpful. We don't find problems. We provide solutions. We don't find problems. We provide solutions. Number five, we're helpful people. Helpful. We're, we're, we're helps. We, we help others. We're those that solve problems. One thing I can't stand. See, this will keep you out of promotion. This will keep you out of victory. I mean, just look. Just look at, because faith finds solutions, right? Faith believes that God has a solution. Faith is looking for a solution. Faith provides solutions. I mean, look at the story of the, um, the 12 spies that went into the promised land. 10 of them came back with what? Problems they'd found. Two came back with what? Solutions that they had discovered. Let's go at once. We're well able to take the land. The, the giants, oh yeah, they're like bread to us. They're like bread to us. And, and what does he say? And their protection is removed from them. What did they do? Came back with solutions. Two came back with solutions. Ten came back with a problem. Oh, they're so big. We're like grasshoppers in their sight. We can't do it. They're too strong. They're too big. That's a problem. There's nothing more annoying then a person, especially if they're a volunteer or a worker or somebody on your staff, oh, the, all they do is locate problems. Well, you know what? We got this problem over here. What are we going to do about that? We got this issue over here. We're going to do about don't. If you see a problem before you ever mention it or uh, you know even bring it to the attention of leadership, any of that, let me tell you, come up with at least three solutions to the problem. You talking about wanting to get uh, promoted? Let me tell you how to get promoted. Before you ever mention any problem you locate, come up with at least three solutions so that when you do mention it to those that are uh, ahead of you, managers, bosses, whatever, you say, now I noticed we've got this problem over here, but I've prepared three solutions for you and you can just kind of see how you'd like to deal with it, but we could solve it today and here's three ways we could do it. What do you prefer? That's somebody that's going to go to another level. <laughs> Mike Frost said, I had some of them. They had to locate a new job. Yeah. Yeah. That's right, Leslie. There's, there is the, the phrase. Here's what I see, and here's how I can help. Here's what I see, and here's how I can help. Yes, Sandra. Be proactive. Less excuses, more initiative. That's who we are as the Victory Tribe. We are people who don't locate problems. We locate solutions. That's why I love the people that I have on my team. Everybody that I have on the Miracle Word team, without exception, without exception, they're not problem finders. They're solution providers. It's what they do. It's what they do. I've got the best of the best. And let me tell you, they hustle, and they are helpful. Number five, they are helpful. That's what I'm talking about. Because one thing that, that is more frustrating than anything else is when you're trying to lead and you're trying to be somebody, 
Let me tell you, when you've just got people that are coming up to you, this is wrong. This is wrong. You got a problem here. This is a problem. You got this. I don't like this. All it does is bring frustration. It's like, what, am I the only one that's got a brain? You don't have eyes. You don't have a brain. You can't think for yourself critically. I don't need those people. Anybody can find problems, but it takes victory tribe people to provide solutions and see, you've got the mind of Christ. And if you've got the mind of Christ, the Holy Spirit who leads and guides you into all truth can also also show you the way. He can show you the way. Let me take you to Proverbs chapter three. Proverbs chapter three. And I'm going to read you uh, verses five and six. We are solution providers. Listen to this now. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Here's the benefit of having the Lord as part of your life. Here's the benefit as having them of having the mind of Christ and being able to have access to his ways and his thoughts that are higher than your ways and your thoughts. What? Don't lean to your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him and what's going to happen. He will direct your path. Hallelujah. I like this translation. He will make straight your prep, your path. <laughs> so when we don't lean on our own understanding, but upon his, in all our ways, we acknowledge him. He'll make our paths straight. He removes obstacles. He removes all and just allows us to run with momentum on a straight path. In all your ways, acknowledge him. So don't see, here's the problem. There's too many people trying to do what they're called to do based on natural wisdom. That'll run out. Natural wisdom will run out. Doesn't mean you shouldn't try to be wise. You should be wise. But beyond that, you've got access to a Holy Spirit who is your teacher and he's your guide. And you've got the mind of Christ and you've got access to his ways and his thoughts. And when we do, it means we can solve problems other people cannot solve. Hallelujah. We can solve problems other people cannot solve. It's a supernatural thing. Go with me um, one book over to Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 10. Now I want to read you this. This will help you. Ecclesiastes chapter 10. And I want to actually read it to you from the New English translation, which I've been using a lot with the full notes edition. The New English translation. Let's listen to this. Listen to this verse now. If an iron axe head is blunt and a workman does not sharpen its edge, he must exert a great deal of effort. So wisdom has the advantage of giving success. Hmm. Think about that. It's Ecclesiastes 10.10. 10. Ecclesiastes 10.10. 10. Let me say that again. If an iron axe head is blunt, 
and a workman does not sharpen its edge, that's how much harder you have to work. <laughs> Think about that. That's how much harder you got to work. You got a pound, but man, if that axe head is sharp, you don't have to do as much. You ever had a knife that wasn't sharp and you were trying to do a job with that knife? Do you know what they say? There's uh, what's what's the most dangerous? I'll tell you what's way more dangerous than a sharp knife is a dull knife. And anybody that understands knife safety has heard that phrase before. That something that's way more dangerous than a sharp knife is a dull knife. You know why? Because if you've got a dull knife, I've seen and heard of far more knife accidents from dull knives than obviously sharp knives. And it's not just technique. It's that people are having to go when you start having a dull knife and you have to go out of control, you can't just do controlled strokes when you're cutting and all this. If you gotta, if you gotta go out of control to get the strength to get that thing to cut, what ends up happening is when you lose control and that thing begins to cut, that's when the accidents happen. That's when people start getting sliced. That's when you accidentally stab yourself. I mean, I've seen it happen. I've watched it happen. And it's so, so unnecessary if it was just sharpened the best thing you could do is keep your knife razor sharp because then why it allows you to do the job with ease and stay in control and that's the same thing here that's what wisdom does and it's not just natural wisdom as i said it's godly wisdom it allows you to stay in control and do the job and not fail and when you've got that going on in your life Obviously, you become that kind of a person, a helpful person. That's who we are. We provide help. The benefit is that when you see a man, Proverbs 22, 29, diligent in his work, he'll serve kings. He'll not stand before mere men. Diligence, and this what I'm talking about here, this, this helpfulness. Look at Joseph. I mean, Joseph, they couldn't even keep the man in prison because he was so helpful. Oh, yeah, bring him out. He's the one that has the answers to dreams. All right, bring Joseph to me. <laughs> starts answering dreams, starts being a help. And as, as a result, oh, pull him out. Start giving, start blessing him. Start giving him more responsibilities to the point where he is now second in command to Pharaoh. <laughs> I mean, you look at this. He's second in command in the entire nation, commands the resources. I mean, in the middle of a uh, famine, Joseph went from jail all the way up to the palace and he's second in command. Only person above him is Pharaoh, but Pharaoh has given over all of the resources of Egypt into the hands of Joseph. Right? And so what happens now? Joseph's able to bless his own family, to bless, and it was Joseph's own God idea that kept all of the regions during this famine. He said, here's what we need to do. And his godly wisdom allowed him to be a provider in the time when there was trouble. He, was a, he wasn't locating problems. He was locating solutions. What did it do? It brought him promotion. That's the benefit. People are looking for problem solvers. I saw what Mike Frost posted in the comments. Dr. Mike Murdoch said, your pay grade is dependent upon the problems that you solve for others. Your pay grade 
is dependent upon the problems you solve for others. I have a friend. He's very blessed. Very blessed. But he told me uh, just a few months ago. He said, you know, on my job, the average programmer, computer programmer, and that's what he does. He's a computer programmer. He said the average computer programmer lasts about two years and they move on to somewhere else or they get let go. He said, you know, I've been at my job and it was like 12, 15 years or something like that. He said, but you know the deal? He said, it's not just that I do computer coding. He said, I've put my hands on every other thing. I do so much for the company. He said, I do so many other things for the company. They couldn't afford to let me go. He said, there's nobody that can do what I do there because I do so many things. What's he doing? Solving problems for that company. So now because he's such a problem solver, his pay grade has gone up and, and now they can't even, it's job security. They can't even let him go because he is their problem solver. And that's what people are looking for, problem solvers. And if you've got the Holy Ghost, who is the problem solver living on the inside of you, it causes you to walk in a place where you're supernaturally helpful. I thank God for people on our team that are supernaturally helpful. Amazing problem solvers. Well, you look at it. How can I, how can I locate this? Obviously, the best way to locate it is take a look at the at what's going on in your life. Are you the one that's always pointing out an issue and have given no thought whatsoever to how you could personally solve it? You know, one of the good practices you could use, pretend like anything that you're involved with, even if you're just a volunteer or whatever, pretend you're the CEO. Pretend you're the CEO. Meaning, if I owned this company, how would I handle this? If I didn't want these problems going on, what would be the best and most efficient way to take care of this? And then come up with those ideas and present those to those that are over you. And that kind, <laughs> Jeff, Jeff Van Hoos, just look at it. Would you look at it? Um, but I'm telling you, if, if, you'll, if you'll use that kind of thinking and provide those kinds of answers, it calls for promotion. It calls for promotion. And so we're helpful people. And then let me say, uh, what's the solution? I believe that's it. I honestly believe that's it. Treat everything like you're the, the leader. You're at the helm. That you're at, not, and that's it, Winona. She said, uh, she, she's quoting the scripture, do everything that you do as unto the Lord. You know what that means? You act like Jesus is your boss. Because he is. But even if you're working at a job, you do that job as though Jesus is going to be the one checking up on your work. And you, when you walk, walk in that kind of diligence, you walk in that kind of uh, helpfulness, it pulls promotion, blessing, victory. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. That's the kind of people that others are looking for. Not those that do the bare minimum, always find a problem. Nobody wants that kind of worker. Let me give you number six. We don't just honor. We're not just helpful. But number six, we're hungry. I want you to put that in the comments. Number six, hungry. We're hungry people. And this is a massive one. Massive. I've seen those that have lost their hunger. It's a sad, sad view. People that were once on fire 
once on fire, but they've lost their hunger. They've lost their fire. The victory tribe, we are hungry people. That's why there's a bunch of people that log on every morning at 1030 to get a word from the Lord. It's because you're hungry. You're hungry. And that's a good thing. Because the Bible says in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 5, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. Why? For they shall be filled. There's your promise. There's your promise right there. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And so the blessing of hunger is filling. The blessing of hunger is filling. And that's, I'm telling you, that's the key. We've got to stay hungry. Uh, don't be don't be the person, and I've seen them. Don't be the person that uh, <laughs> goes cold. The person that just becomes complacent. There's nothing worse than that. There's nothing worse than that. Do you know? Do you know how uh, much God hates this? I remember this is one of the first messages I ever preached. It was called "Don't Make God Vomit," and I uh, I went to Revelation chapter three and verse sixteen. You should know this verse. I'm sure you do. Uh, the Bible says, uh, "I'll start with verse fifteen and then I'll read verse 16. I know your works," Jesus said. "You're neither cold nor hot. They're not hungry. They're lukewarm. They're complacent." You're neither cold nor hot. I would that you were either cold or hot. So because you're lukewarm and neither hot or cold, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Or one translation, spew you out of my mouth. Or one translation, spit you out of my mouth. Why? Because you're neither hot nor cold. You're lukewarm. You've lost your hunger. You've lost your drive. You've lost your fire. We're hungry people. We're hungry people. See, and I'll, I'll teach you a secret that you may not know, but I'll teach you this secret. H- spiritual hunger works the exact opposite of natural hunger. I want you to put that in the comments. Spiritual hunger works the exact opposite of natural hunger. And then I'll explain it to you. Spiritual hunger works the exact opposite. That was uh, Revelation 3.16, Shelley. Revelation 3.16. Um, Spiritual hunger works the exact opposite of natural hunger. Put that in the comments because once you start to understand this, you'll understand how to stay hot. Because... Obviously, we've dealt with the benefit. The benefit of of hunger is you'll be filled. There's a filling. There's an approval of God when you stay hungry. It ensures that we never become lukewarm. It, It ensures that our fire never goes out. It ensures that we never become complacent. It ensures that we never throw life into cruise control. It ensures that we never coast through our purpose. I've seen so many that have lost their hunger. They get bored in the midst of their purpose and they go chase other things that don't matter. But catch this today. Spiritual hunger works the exact opposite 
of natural hunger. This is so big. So big. And what do I mean by that? Well, what do you have to do? And I want you to write the answer to this in the comments so I can see it. Because I want to hear what you'd have to say. What does a person have to do in the natural to become hungry? Write it in the comments and let me see. What does a person have to do in the natural realm to become hungry? What are your answers? <laughs> yes, you're welcome. There you go. Leslie's joy, stop eating. Not eat, stop eating. Don't eat. That's right. All these answers are coming right. Gina, not eat. Go without eating. That's right. What are the things in the natural you got to do? Starve yourself, right? Or wait, don't feed yourself. Starve yourself. That's right. So in the natural realm, you're all giving me the exact right answer. Exact right answer. If you want to be hungry in the natural realm, all you got to do is not eat. All you've got to do is not eat. Fast for a little bit. It's like I had somebody tell me one time, they said, I can't really fast. I get too hungry. <laughs> yes, that is a side effect of fasting. Um, but that's all you have to do to get hungry. Don't eat anything. Because the moment you stop eating and your body's looking for fuel to produce energy and there's nothing to pull from, those hunger pangs start hitting you. Those hunger pangs start hitting you. And you're like, oh, your body starts screaming at you. It's time to eat something. It's time to eat something. So all you got to do is not eat. But it's the exact opposite in the kingdom of God. If you want to become spiritually hungry, you know what you do? You feed yourself. You keep feeding yourself. And you keep feeding yourself. And you keep feeding yourself. And the more you feed yourself, the hungrier you become. Glory to God. The more you feed yourself spiritually, the hungrier you become. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hmm. You see it. The more you feed yourself, the hungrier you'll become. Listen to what Peter said in uh, 1 Peter chapter 2. Uh, and I'll read you verses 1 and 2 and 3. He said, so put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander. And like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation if indeed you've tasted that the Lord is good. The more you feed yourself, the hungrier you become. It's like, I can tell you from my own experience, the more I read the word, the more I want to read the word. The more I study the word, the more I want to study the word. It's not like, I'll tell you, and, I'll, and I know your flesh is one thing and your spirit's another, but you got to hear me today. I'll get into the word and start studying stuff. And I, that's why, you know, I really do. I enjoy reading long passages of the Bible. You know, all of us, the Victory Tribe, we went through uh, the entire Bible in 90 days at the beginning of this year. We did the whole Bible in 90 days, and it was a wonderful thing, but that's one method. 
But a method I like even more is when I break down verse by verse, word by word, what's going on in the Bible. And you start going and looking at the backstory and the history of what's written and who it was written to and, you know, why it was written and what was going on at the time that it was written and and seeing what they were experiencing. You know, something is small right now. I'm doing a study on the book of Romans and I'm going through with about seven resources, seven resources on the book of Romans. And I'm going verse by verse by verse. And I've been doing this for a couple of months and I'm at like Romans 118. <laughs> I mean, seriously, because there's so much that you can get out of the scripture. I mean, just as simple as something, think about something as little as this. Paul is writing to the Romans and says to them and refers to what he preaches as Paul, an apostle. I believe this is like in the first verse. And he says, he's talking about himself and introducing himself. And listen to what he says. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. Did you ever stop and think to yourself, like, why did he call it the gospel of God instead of the gospel of Jesus Christ or the gospel of Christ? And when you start realizing the history and who he was writing to and what was going on, you you start to realize Rome, those were churches that no apostle had ever visited up to the time. No apostle had ever been there. And even Paul says, I wanted to come and be a part of your churches and visit with you. And I've not got a chance, but I long to be with you. They had no apostle come there. Uh, it's, it's, it's believed that Jews who left Pentecost um, went to Rome and planted the churches and that there was a great Jewish majority in the churches in Rome, although there were many Gentiles in it. But these were people that had followed Judaism for their whole lives and they came out of the law of Moses. They came out of uh, Judaism and Paul writes this phrase in a very specific way, the gospel of God, not the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of God. Why? Because he's talking to the majority of Jews in the Roman church who have for thousands of years followed God followed God. And he's letting them know this is not a new religion. We're still worshiping the same exact God that Jews have worshiped for thousands and thousands of years. And he uses this phrase very, very carefully and on purpose, not the gospel of Christ. This isn't the message. Of, this isn't something new. It's the gospel of God. This is what God's been promising the Jews for thousands of years. I mean, just things like that. When you start going through all of the resources and the histories and the commentaries, it breaks down stuff we would never know unless we understood the fullness of the context. And the more I study the word, the more I love studying the word. The more I read the Bible, the more I want to read the Bible. The more I get into it, the more I want to get into it. The more I pray, the more I want to pray. What's going on? It's spiritual hunger. It's spiritual hunger. Did you know? That um, Dr. John G. Lake, you've heard me talk about him some. He's the one that went to South Africa during the bubonic plague at the turn of the last century. And uh, it was incurable. People were dying at massive rates. And nobody would even bury the dead. You think about 1899, 1902. And nobody would bury dead people. And the government was offering $1,000 in 1902. Think about how much money that was. 
to bury the dead and people wouldn't take the money because it was so contagious. They were sure. And, and dead bodies were still contagious after they were dead. And he and his assistant would go in and pull these bodies out of houses and bury them in graves, never caught the disease. He's the one that, uh, they, he said, let me show you the power of God. Take some of those cells of the, of the disease, the froth that would be around the mouth of the dead body that had the uh, plague, the bubonic plague. And he said, put it on my hand and look at it under the microscope. And when they looked, they saw that the cells of the plague would die when they touched his skin. And he told them, that's the life of God. That's the, that's the lightnings of God flowing through my body. It's the law of life in Christ. This is the man who had 100,000 documented miracles in the city of Spokane, Washington, in his healing rooms. Declared the healthiest city in America by the government. Miracle Signs and Wonders followed Dr. John G. Lake. But he wrote a book, and he said, this was his quote. He was saying, if there was one quality that I could transfer to the body of Christ, if there was one thing that I could get into them, that I could leave them, you know what he said it would be? He said, if there's one thing I could give the body of Christ, Christians at large, it would be spiritual hunger. That's what he told him. Not signs, wonders, and miracles. Now, I mean, he all the things he could have said, he said spiritual hunger. Powerful. That's a powerful thought. Well, why is that? Because here's a man who, after all of his supernatural lifestyle, his supernatural ministry, all that he uh, had done for the Lord, he understood and recognized that the key in all of it is spiritual hunger. If you'll go after God, if you'll seek after God, that's the thing that Dr. Uh, David Young E. Cho understood. Largest church in the world, Yoido Full Gospel Church in Seoul, Korea. Over a million members. You know what he said in his book, Prayer That Brings Revival? Same thing. Prayer is the key to all the success that we've ever had. But he said the key is getting Christians to pray. <laughs> Spiritual hunger. I put this in my book, A Complete Guide to Biblical Fasting. And we said, um, when Dr. Cho's mother-in-law was interviewed and said, how did you grow the largest church in the world? You know what her answer was? We fast, 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 and we pray, pray, pray. That was her answer. We fast, 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 and we pray, pray, pray. Spiritual hunger. What did the, no, notice this. Okay, let me give you this. Notice that, after the disciples seeing Jesus' life, seeing his ministry, seeing his miracles, signs, and wonders, you know what their you know what their request was after all that? It was not, Lord, teach us to cast out devils. Lord, teach us to perform miracles. You know what they said? Lord, teach us to pray. You know why? They must have recognized that there was a correlation between his prayer life and his supernatural life. They had to have. Lord, teach us to pray. There must have been a correlation between his prayer life and his supernatural life. And they recognized it and they wanted it. But notice they wanted the right thing. They didn't want the effects. They wanted the cause. Teach us to pray. Spiritual hunger. See that? It's spiritual hunger. And spiritual hunger is so vital. 
And that's what we're telling you. Number six today, the sixth essential element of a victory tribe culture is hunger. We stay hunger for his presence and for his word. We're hungry for his presence. We're hungry for his word. We're hungry for his presence. We're hungry for his word. Well, obviously the benefit of being hungry for his presence and hungry for his word is that you're going to get all of the things that come along with his presence. In his presence is fullness of joy. At his right hand, pleasures forevermore. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So when when he shows up, everything that travels with him also shows up. If you're in his presence, you're going to get the benefits of his presence. Well, what about his word? If you're hungry for his word, you're going to get what his word has for you. According to the scripture, his word becomes everything you need it to be. Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 15, 16, I found your word and I ate it and it became unto me the joy and rejoicing of my soul. So the word becomes joy. Joshua, it was said to him, take this book of the law. Don't let it depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you'll be careful to do, observe and do all that's written here. And then you'll make your way prosperous and you'll have good success. So prosperity and success come from the word. What did Paul say to the Ephesian elders? Acts 20, 32. He said, now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those that are sanctified. So the word is also able to build you up and to give you your inheritance. What did God say to Ezekiel during his call? Ezekiel said it this way. The word, I heard him speaking to me and the word came unto me and entered into me and set me upon my feet. The word will establish you. The word will establish you in your purpose. Everything you need is in the word of God. Proverbs 4, my son, attend attend to my sayings, incline your ear to my sayings. Don't let them depart from your uh, heart. Meditate on them day and night. And then what does it say? For they are health to all that find them and strength to all their flesh or healing to all their flesh. So there's healing. There's healing that's in the word of God. Hallelujah. There's healing that's in the word of God. So all the things you need are in God's word. All the things you need. So when you have a hunger for his presence and for his word, you're going to benefit from everything that is in his presence and everything that's in his word. Let me go a step further here. It ensures that we never become cold, complacent, on cruise control. So how do we identify it? How do we identify it? Well, look at yourself. Uh, what You know what's um, one of the ways that doctors know there's something wrong with you? Do you want to know one of the ways doctors know? You lose your appetite. There's a problem if someone has lost their appetite and they, don't, they can't eat anything. In fact, I've seen many people. Went to see uh, one of my family members. Had a, a physical issue, not hungry, didn't eat anything for days. They were forcing her to take protein shakes and things like that because just didn't have a hunger, something wrong. Just went and did hospital visitation when I was in Scranton. Not the, the man, not hungry. He said, I take my dinner, and this is what he told me, and the pastor. I take my dinner every time they bring it in, I throw it in the trash. So I'm not even, not even hungry. When there's something wrong, you lose your appetite. And the same thing is true in the spirit realm. If there's something wrong, if you're not in the place you should be, you've lost a spiritual appetite. So look at it. You're identifying what's going on in my life. Are you hungry for the word? 
If you're not hungry to read the word, it's because you've not been reading enough word. If you're not hungry to pray, it's because you've not been praying enough. Because as I said, it's opposite in the spiritual realm as it is in the natural. The more you feed yourself, the hungrier you get. The more you feed yourself, the hungrier you get. The more you read the word, the more you want to. The more you pray, the more you want to. The more you're in his presence, the more you want to be. And so here's how you identify it. Here's how you identify it. You say, well, what's my disciplines? What have they been looking like? Have I been consistently reading the word? Have I been consistently praying? Have I been, and that's how you identify. If not, then what's the solution? Because everybody's going to have to do this because we're all flesh beings. We're not, we're not all just purely spirit beings. We're flesh beings. So as a result, you know what we have to do? Many times, as Paul said, we have to discipline our flesh. We've got to discipline our flesh. How do we do that? Well, you, you got you to literally put yourself in a place. I don't care if you got to write it down. I don't care if you got to put reminders on your phone. I don't care if you have to put post-it notes around your house. I don't care if you got to write it on your hand. I don't care if you write it on your hand. Set yourself up with reminders. I got to read the word. I got to pray. I got to read the word. I got to pray. Have I done it today? Make it your priority. Do it first. Do the important things first in your day. What's the most important things you can do in life and then do them first? I dealt with this on a previous broadcast recently that willpower is not an unlimited resource. It actually breaks down over the day, over the period of the day. That's why most bad decisions happen at night. After a long day of work, people's inhibitions go down. I heard one person say, nothing good happens after dark. The reason they say that stuff is because it's usually after a long day, people are tired. They're making decisions with a tired mind, a stressed out mind, whatever it is. And then all of a sudden, they're not fresh anymore. They're not strong anymore. They're just ready to. And what happens? They make bad decisions. Why are they making bad decisions? Because they're saving the things that are important for later in the day. It's a mistake. Do the most important things first in the day. That's why I don't do these broadcasts uh, at night with you. Sometimes we do night broadcasts, but we always do a morning broadcast. Why? Because we're preaching and teaching to you in the morning. In the morning. Getting this word in you for the rest of your day. Doing what's important first, putting it into your spirit. Amen. And so that's the key. Get hungry. Get hungry for the presence of God. And and when you, what's the solution? Once you start that discipline, once you keep that discipline going, the discipline part is going to build the hunger part. The discipline part is going to f- build and uh, fuel the hunger part. The more you find yourself getting in, the more you'll want to stay in. That's key. It's key. And notice these things that I'm giving you, we're calling it the H9 system. The reason that I'm giving you these things, if you'll just put these nine things, not 21, not 100, not 50 things, if you'll just put these nine things to work in your life. And that's why I want to put it in in a book form so that you have, uh, literally, you've got practical solutions I'm going to do everything I can when I put this in the book form. Practical solutions where you can take steps 
to make these things happen, suggestions and stories and things that you can see how others have made it work for them so that you have something to refer to. This is what's going to cause me to become supernaturally victorious. And it is because these are all biblical principles. These are not just good ideas. These are not just things that I thought, man, that would be really fun to share. Now, these are biblical principles that the Lord gave me in prayer that will put us in a place of never-ending victory. Never-ending victory. I want to pray for those of you that are watching and listening today on the podcast and on the broadcast. Maybe you're watching this as a replay, and uh, you're getting this. That's why people are writing stuff in the comments for you, so you have all the notes. But I want to pray for you because, as I said, you know what we're confessing? That the final six months of 2021 will be the greatest that we've ever seen in any year, ever, in history. Do you know, and God's already done it through through us, I was so happy to find out that when May came to an end, we've given more money in offerings in five months than we have in any 12-month period previously. God did that. Well, if he can do that, because, you know, obviously he's the one that gives seed to the sower, if he can do that, What can he do for us in the final six months of this year? What can he do for us in the final six months of 2021? It's going to be the greatest. So let me pray for you today. Father, in Jesus' name, I'm praying for your precious people, praying for the Victory Tribe. I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that from this day, you would put a hunger in them to attack their purpose. Give them a, let them be voracious workers. Let them go after what you've called them to do. Don't ever allow us to become burnout, cold, disinterested. That's not our story. We are those that are on fire at all times. And so, Lord, we ask you, put a new hunger in our belly in Jesus' name. Give us access to supernatural ideas, the mind of Christ, your ways, your thoughts, so that we can solve problems others can't solve. Keep us in a place where we honor others, honor those around us that we walk in love in the name of Jesus. Keep us diligent, keep us in humility, and keep us in the joy of the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' mighty name, we thank you and we give you praise. If you believe it, somebody throw some fire and some emoji hands up in the comments section. If you believe it and you're standing with me and you believe this word is for you, let me see it in the comments section. Um, Let me give you these six that we've gone over quickly from the H9 strategy or philosophy. Number one, we're happy people. Number two, we're humble people. Number three, we hustle. Number four, we're honorable people. Number five, we're helpful people. And number six, we're hungry people. You don't want to miss tomorrow. I'm going to give you seven, eight, and nine and complete the uh, series tomorrow. You got to get these in your spirit. I'm going to work hard to get these on paper for you guys or in digital format so you can have it in your hand. And um, that's awesome, Nancy. Thank you. She said, I'll be using the book for my life coaching business. Thanks, Ted. Thank you. I appreciate it and I love you. Listen, um, I want to talk to you for a minute about Thank you, Sandy. I want to talk to you for a minute about the power of partnership because we've had people that they, they kind of wonder sometimes, what does it mean to be 
a miracle word partner. What does it mean to be part of the Victory Tribe in that way? What it means to be a miracle word partner. What we've prayed for. I just wanted to make this clear for those that are watching. My wife and I and the team, as we're doing what God's called us to do, and literally doing more than we've ever done. This is this year's blowing my mind right now. I mean, it's blowing my mind. All that God's opened up and all that's happening. But when we've prayed, we said, Lord, would you attach to this ministry people who have a vision to do what we're called to do as well, that we can do it as a team, as a family. That's why we call it the, unofficially the Victory Tribe. People that believe that they'll pray for us that they'll stand and pray for us, and that they'll sow financially to see these things come to pass. And so that there's never any confusion, what does it mean to be a partner of Miracle Word Ministries? It means two things, because it's not a one-way street. We're not just asking you to partner with us. We are partnering with you. We pray for our partners every day. We stand with you. We're believing for miracles. You get texts from me. You know that I'm believing with you, standing with you. You know that we are literally connected together in covenant. We're asking people to pray for our ministry, to stand in prayer and ask the Lord to increase this ministry, to make it impactful and effective. And we're asking people to sow seed and stand with us on a monthly basis. And so you say, well, what is it that, we, that you've prayed for? This is what Carolyn and I and the team have prayed for. At the first level is what we're doing right now. We've asked God to attach to this ministry a thousand people that would stand with us sowing a monthly seed of $85 or more every month. These are people that have gone to miracleword.com and they have set up a seed that's recurring every month that they're sowing a seed, they've they've gone to the partnership, they've set up and filled out the form and created this uh, profile where they're putting it in and it's a monthly seed that's coming out. You know, we were talking about this, it's amazing. That's really just about three Starbucks drinks a week. There's people that go to Starbucks every morning before work, get their venti latte. If you think about it, that's just over three Starbucks coffees like lattes a week to stand in partnership. And that seed that you're sowing is going out from here and going around the world, touching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you realize that we are now on television in over 180 nations of the world weekly? My phone keeps blowing up with people that are getting saved and now discipled through the online ministry, going through our brand new discipleship program that we've released. And by the way, if you haven't got a chance to check it out, it's free. You could use it as a discipleship tool yourself. 11 videos that are 10 minutes or less each where we answer the questions on what it means to be a Christian. All you have to do is go to miracleword.com forward slash next. It'll show you the discipleship program. But so there's never any confusion. And of course, there are people that sow to this ministry a one-time offering, a one-time seed. There's people that sow, maybe one time they sow $250. Or but when we define partnership, you say, what is that? We're not defining partnership as just somebody that gives a one-time offering. Partnership's a very specific thing we're praying for. These are faithful people that are part of the Victory Tribe that are willing to every month 
stand with us and sow that seed by faith. And they, that's why we've encouraged you. We've made it super simple for you guys to go on and you can set up a recurring seed on the website that every month you can choose what day you'd like that uh, to be taken out and, and the seed to be sown. But these are people that have said, you know what? I so believe in what God's called Miracle Word and I'm such a part of Miracle Word. It's changed my life and I want God to use them to change others' lives that they were willing to stand. Now, I understand there's people that are watching. They're like, you know what? I'm just at this time in my life, I'm not able to go and and sow that monthly seed of $85 or more. I understand that. I understand not everybody's at that place right now. But here's the question that you have to ask. What can I do right now? You know, I got a message today, and I I won't read the name, but it it encouraged me because it means that... uh, This message is getting across to people because you've got to start somewhere. That's what I found out. The Bible teaches if you'll be faithful over a little, God will make you ruler over much. I got this message today and and, and it blessed my heart. It said, I signed up yesterday to sow $10 a month. And I heard you asked me to ask myself, what can I do every month? And I felt the Lord say to do that amount. That's what I can do right now. And so here's a person that's believing for increase that can't yet stand at the $85 amount every month, but says, you know what I can do? I can do $10 a month. So everyone has to start somewhere. But I think about Letty and if Letty's still watching, she blessed me so much because Letty started out at a certain area in her giving after she got saved. And she said, you know, uh, this is what I can do right now. And she started doing what she could. But you know, it was like like that. God took her from where, where she was, what she could do, to the place where she stood at a place of partnership of $85 a month or more. And I'm telling you that this is so vital because time is running out. Jesus is coming back. And so when, when you hear me talking about partnership, you say, what does it truly mean to be a partner? It means that you pray for this ministry And it means that you're willing to go stand with us on a monthly basis, not just a one-time seed. We're looking for people that will sow monthly. And we've asked God to attach to this ministry a 1,000 people that will stand at $85 a month or more. There's some that do much more than that. You realize there's people that sow at $200 a month, some sowing at $500 a month. We've got people that are sowing $750 a month, $1,000 a month, you know, some more, more than that, 1200 a month. What is it that you can do? So your faith has to be moved when you sow your seed. And so when we're, we're asking you to ask the Lord and to stand with us by faith and really $85 for most people is a place that they can be involved. That's like a cell phone bill. That's like I said, three lattes a month, but notice what's happening. I mean, all the areas in, where we're touching people, kids are eating every, every day around the world. We're seeing the gospel preached on television around the world, live crusades where people are being touched in person, uh, using every form of media online to touch people with the gospel of Christ. You're a part of all of that as part of the Victory Tribe and part of the family, the Miracle Word family. So I want to encourage you today to go to MiracleWord.com. The Lord's speaking to people. And there's some of you that can do more than that. You can do $100 a month. You can do $200 a month. Do what the Lord is asking you to do and be faithful. See, and we're believing God that we're going to quickly carry out the call. 
We're going to quickly carry out the call. Now, obviously, there's people that feel, hey, I feel right now to sow a $5,000 seed. Do it. I feel to sow a $10,000 seed. Do it. We get that. Do what the Lord is asking you to do. And when you do it by faith, the increase comes. Look at Clarabel Sanchez. She said, God told me to sow into this ministry since March of 2021, and I've seen God bless me, and I lack nothing. I mean, it's, it's a supernatural thing what God can do, what God can do. So let's pray right now and ask the Lord, Lord, what can I do every single month to stand with them as they're touching the world with the gospel? And watch what the Lord will do. Father, speak to every person today. Tell them what you'd have them to do. Give them an instruction from heaven. We thank you. Give you praise that you're leading us into increase in Jesus' name. Amen. Now listen, go to the website, miracleword.com. It's on the screen. And you can click that partner page and you can fill out the form. What is the amount? If it's not $85 a month, click the other tab and put in what it is. Maybe it's 200 Maybe it's 500 Do what the Lord's telling you to do. Uh, others that are wanting to sow. And see, we encourage people that are partnering with us to do it through the website because not only do are we able to constantly stay in contact with you and bless you. Of course, we have gifts we send you every month. Uh, one of the things we're going to begin to start doing is we're going to be uh, choosing a partner of the month that we're going to bless. We're going to really bless them, say thank you for standing with us. But it lets us do that because on our end, we can see who you are so that like if you're not giving by cash app, it's not like God's baby girl 72. You know, it's like we don't know who that is. You're like, you know, the Lord knows you're God's baby girl 72, but we don't. We can't we can't send you anything. We can't. And then the other side of that is when tax season comes, we want to be able to send you accurate and up to date giving statements for your tax returns. And so that's why we encourage those that are going to partner with us on a monthly basis, go to the website, click the partner tab and fill out the form using a debit or credit card and stand with us monthly. Watch what God will do. All the ways to give are on the website. This is the month, June, that uh, we added something new. If you're giving $50 or more, we want to send you the book, Bible Doctrines by PC Nelson. It's a great book that shows why we believe what we believe. But if you're at that partnership level of $85 or more, then this month we want to send you the book by Kenneth Hagin. It's called uh, Biblical Keys to Financial Prosperity. That's our gift to those that are partnering at $85 or more in the month of June. If you'd like to get your copy, go to miracleword.com forward slash offer and fill out the form so that we know who and where to send it to. And... Um, we appreciate it. Kim said, so if I'm sending uh, monthly through snail mail, it's not the same. No, it is. It is the same. Uh, and we know there's people that do that. We know there's people that send a check each month. We know there's people that are, put us on bill pay. There's people that have done that. So their bank sends a check automatically every month. And, you know, obviously we can still get your information and and provide you with uh, tax documentation when you're doing um, uh, checks and stuff like that. It's just that I have gotten to the place where I do not trust the post office anymore. I truly don't. And I'll tell you why is we're sending stuff out to our partners. Many of you, it's like when I've got so many people that wrote in, it's like, well, we still haven't gotten our magazine. I had somebody that when the spring edition of the magazine went out, it was like, or the winter edition of the magazine, we were getting ready to mail. We were dropping the spring edition into the post office. And somebody sends me a message, just got my winter edition. It's spring. 
It's like, dude, what are they doing with the mail? And then there's some people like, man, I never got it. What are they doing with it? So we're kind of doing an end and around with, with them now and, uh, and, and going. Sometimes I wonder if they don't just trash it because they see it's Christian material. I honestly believe that. You know, they did that to Jimmy Swagger, and a guy went to jail. There was a guy that worked for the post office in Louisiana. They found out he, would, he had been dumping tons of bags of partner mail that was supposed to go to Jimmy Swaggart's ministry, uh, dumping it into the swamps in the bayou in Louisiana instead of delivering it to his office. He got caught, went to jail. But I'm telling you, there's people that don't like the things of God. They don't like uh, the power of God. And as a result, I believe there are, th- there are some things that go on that uh, are just crooked. So I'm just telling you, I don't, I don't trust them anymore. I don't trust them anymore. So well, that's why we encourage people to use the website. And plus, it's easier on you and it's faster. And so I'm just, I'm just being real with you. That's how, that's how I, I feel at this point. Uh, so we're blessing you with that book. Of course, those that are sewing $1,000 or more, we're going to include with that a life application study Bible in genuine leather. For those that are uh, sewing $5,000 or more, we've put something special together for you. It's called the Elite Study Collection. And it's five of the very best study resources there are on planet Earth. We put them in a custom box. We've we've custom wrapped it. It's beautiful. I mean, I, I created it all with you in mind. And um, we want to send that out to those of you that are sowing $5,000 or more to stand with this ministry and believe God for increase. I love you so much. We're here in Rowlett, Texas. Um, tonight, tomorrow, scheduled 7 o'clock Central Time, 8 o'clock Eastern Time. If you can't make it, jump online and watch these services. They've been powerful. I love you so much. Thank you for hanging with me today. I'll see you again tonight. I'll be back for part three tomorrow morning, 10.30 Eastern, 9.30 Central. I love you. Have a great day. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.